Hey everyone, welcome to Do I Still Love It, the podcast that remembers floppy disks when they were floppy. I mean, most of you don't even remember floppy disks. Uh, we're your hosts, Marshall James. And Laura Weiss. And every week, uh, with a special guest along for the ride, we watch a movie or TV show we remember loving from when we were kids to see if we still love it now that we're grown-ups. And our guest this week is Lita Tremblay. Uh, an artist and director uh, visiting us from New York City. Hey, Lita. Hi, guys. Hey, Lita. <laughs> I'm so happy you're on the show. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. And uh, so we're really happy to have you on the show and uh, to watch tonight's 1991 movie, Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken. Lita, what is this movie about uh, that you can remember? That I can remember. This movie is about this really crazy piece of entertainment. I was trying to remember what decade this takes place in. Couldn't really. I think it takes place in like the 20s or 30s. That's what I was going to guess, like the 30s yeah. or 40s, but I think you're probably 20s I, or 30s. I have a vision in my head that there's like outfits that are similar to what um, Amelia Earhart would wear. Yes, yes, I would agree with that. Um, it also feels like we're in peacetime, maybe, or something. Anyway. Um, like between the wars. Right between the wars. Uh-huh. Uh, so th- I also imagine this being like big circus time because this piece of entertainment is a horse jumping off a high dive into a pool of water with a young woman rider on his back. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the thing that this movie is about. Yeah, it is. Is it about the cir- the circus or? No, I just feel like this was a time when when folks went out to like events a like spectacle. this. Yeah, exactly, an outdoor spectacle you know, like with a animals. Okay. <laughs> it's a spectacle, <laughs> like a tractor pull. Yeah. Uh, so, Laura, what else? What What else do you remember about this that stands out? Oh God, I don't really remember much about this movie other than I loved this movie. This movie has horses in it, mm-hmm. and that's very exciting to me. And I feel, and there's a little girl that dreams to be a a horse jumper. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and the best part is. I feel as though that what I remember about this movie might be totally wrong. I feel like she goes blind. Would you <laughs> like me to confirm point. or deny this Absolutely statement? Absolutely not. Great. I don't want to hear <laughs> any of this. I feel like there might be horse death, which uh, if you've watched, if you've listened to this episode before, um, horse death is very hard for me. Yeah. Specific <laughs> difficulty. Um, and yet we're going and, in again uh, for the possibility. I specifically feel like... For some reason, blind girl jumps with the horse whose neck breaks, and I love this movie. I'm Jesus. <laughs> okay, so I have not seen this, and if this is what we are about to watch, no, no, oh my God. I don't think I'm right. I don't think I'm right at all, but I am really excited to try to find out, because this is one of those movies that I just blindly well blindly love and i don't know why it's also i remember sort of bits and pieces of the beginning part i remember the ending more clearly than anything else but in the beginning i'm remembering you know there's this young woman who i am imagining is like you know i feel like she might have a a a past in a in prison, like she's uh, just she gotten out orphan. of prison and something. She was an orphan. orphan, 
So there's like no family. So there's like She's an like orphanage looking for herself. Situation. Wow, this is sounding more and more like a tragedy <laughs> with every life you guys talk but about. But she like fa- gets this job at this like with these horses, like salt mine, and, and she gets the black lung, and then <laughs> no, because then she re- finds out about this entertainment. And then she let's lives call her it. dream, guys. And she learns how to and ride that horse. For some reason, I think she goes blind. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> God, okay. Guys, so, I'm really excited about this. Like the We're gonna the, have a great time. So Wild Hearts can't be broken. They can't. And they, they really can't. So I was obsessed with horses when I was a kid. Yeah. Um when I was ten, my dad decided to my dad's midlife crisis was not to buy a new car, like most people's. He decided to buy an acreage and get back to the land. <laughs> and he moved us away the from the farm life crisis. The farm mm-hmm. life crisis. And so he moved us away from town and I was devastated because I didn't know how I was ever going to make new friends and he looked at me and he's like hey Laura if you put your big girl pants on I will get you a horse and you never heard me complain for another minute because my dream came true and I can guarantee you and he did get me a horse and let me tell you say, horses, what's, the, what's the moral of like, horses are not as one? exciting as, as one little, as girl little girl thinks thing. they are because you just are tromping through shit yes and, you know, literally tromping through literally shit. tromping through shit and um, anyway so it was like this movie to me was like the ultimate horse love movie and I am so excited to revisit it because it might be nothing like what I remember because obviously I remember some morbid, morbid shit. I also think there, now that I'm thinking about it, there might be some symbolism with the title about, you know, you break a horse when you yeah. learn get the horse to take a rider. I think this young woman is also kind of living the same life. She has to be broken to, like, receive love again or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, because as an orphan, she doesn't know how to love. She has a wild heart. Gosh, this sounds really dark. Okay, so... (laughs) And uh, this was a Disney film. (laughs) Is it Disney, really? Yeah. I had no idea. So Disney, again, with the dark childhood themes. uh, (laughs) So when do you think was the last ages you guys saw this movie? How old were we in 91? (laughs) Uh, In 91, I was seven. And I definitely have not seen it since I was seven. Uh-huh. So you watched it a whole lot that one year. Yes. Okay, Lita? I would gather to say about the same thing. Um, yeah, seven or... No, must be at least seven or eight, right? I feel like I watched it on TV. I don't know if it was a made-for-TV or what the deal was, but it was definitely something that just, like, came up on TV. Oh, dude, I saw this movie in the theater. I was so looking forward to it. I will never forget seeing this movie in the theater, mostly just watching a horse jump on a big screen. So cool! I only experienced on the small screen. I'm so jealous. I know, guys. Living my life. <laughs> Alright, and uh, so do you think do you think you'll still love it? I have literally no idea. I'm really hoping we all love it. There's <laughs> like of a this. piece of me that is really that this is one of the ones that I'm more fascinated by how how it, this movie actually is because right. the nostalgia is so deep and it is tied to nothing yet if I try to think about this movie nothing but tragic visions come up right. so it's very confusing in my mind so I'm fascinated to see how this movie actually pans out all right. Well, why don't you test your own memory for a form of Stockholm syndrome while you watch <laughs> 
With us, wild hearts can't be broken. From Walt Disney Pictures, it was a world of carnivals, excitement, and cheering crowds. And for Sonora, it was a chance to become a diving girl. You really think you can do it, huh? Gonna cry? I never cry. Faced with hard times. It's rough. You travel from town to town, barely getting by. Against all odds. So you can ride. I can dive too if you just give me a chance. Don't be ridiculous. Sonora would find the courage to become a champion. Wild hearts can't be broken. Rated G. Starts tomorrow at a theater near you. All right. And so that was Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, so, um... Laura, what are your initial impressions? Uh, I'm really ashamed at how much I just enjoyed that. Yeah? Like, real deep levels of I should not have enjoyed that crappy movie as much as I did. Lita? Here's what I will say, though. <laughs> okay. I will say that with all of the twists and turns, dramatic shifts in this movie, it really moves along. It does. I was never bored through this whole movie. That's true. I had a great time. Marshall, as a person who has just experienced this movie for the first time. I mean, this seemed like the most trite, (laughs) cornball, on-the-nose movie I think I've ever seen. (laughs) And I'm a little bit disturbed about how obvious the age gap in our leads are. Oh, yeah. This I did remember. I did not remember this at all. But as other things that we've revisited, I wonder sometimes how this bad messaging about love and consent... And just how relationships work really messed me up for what I thought I wanted as an adult. Totally. Because this was a perfect example of this this movie was everything I wanted as a kid. Like, girl lives on a farm, dreams about big, grandiose, exciting life goes off, lives grandiose, exciting life with drama and da 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 and then like and tragedy and, and tragedy glory and, and then Oh my god. Just <laughs> man swoops in super hot, wait his head is literally twice the size as hers and he's just like, I'm gonna love you unconditionally and then done. And and just that was the movie, and I loved that when I was And there seven. was even the moment of I can't accept your love. Oh, yeah. That was there, too. There were a lot. That was a lot in this very short movie. Because, guys, like, let's go over the plot real, real quick. Super quick. Obstinate, annoying 15-year-old girl gets kicked out of her Depression-era aunt's house. For punching kids in the face. There's a lot. The first 15 minutes of this movie have three different people get just walloped in the face. (laughs) Like... Like, our main yeah. character wallops a girl in the face, and then she herself gets walloped in the face, and then we watch her later love interest get himself walloped in the face. And so basically, if you get punched in the face in this movie... Um, well, you're, you, you're made for big things. You're made for big yeah. things. Two out of three people who get punched in the face in this movie end up being our main characters. So true. It's so true. Um, you know, but it was a rougher time back then. Right. You know? It's the Depression. Lots of people getting walloped. Everyone was hungry. Everyone was hungry. Hungry for a fight. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, 
And so this little girl gets uh, evicted from her house. She decides she's going to ride horses in the circus. Because she finds a... She finds it in an like, ad in the newspaper, looking for a diving girl. Right, as if this is a thing that everyone that you could just go looking about. for. Right, yes. yeah, yeah. Which is also I found really, really weird that she found that ad in the newspaper, and then she shows up, and he's like, "I don't need a diving girl." And then everyone is just like, "You can't be a diving girl," and they're obviously not looking for one. Why was that in the newspaper? Right, guys? because this was the depression. How much do you think that ad cost? He didn't have that money. money? No, that he horse was making show. posters and buying everyone clothes. I don't know. Yeah, but like, why was he looking for a diving girl when clearly Marie had been his diving girl for years? And let's, let's really quickly talk about who we're talking about when we say he. Okay, so Doc Carver, who looks like a combination of. Uh, Mel Gibson and Sean Connery, but with a huge, like, mullet afro and, uh, like, really bad skin. Um, <laughs> Don't forget the jacket. The jacket. And a fringe jacket from fringe who, Buffalo jacket, Bill. Jacket from Buffalo from Bill. Buffalo Bill. Cody gave it to him. Uh, and so... So, yeah, so he's considers himself a bit of a showman and runs this diving girl thing, even though he doesn't need a diving girl, so who knows why he took out an ad. And then his son, played by Matt Dillon lookalike Michael Schofling. <laughs> like, so much Matt Dillon lookalike, I feel like Matt Dillon used to go by this other name. Who, like, the whole time we were seriously thinking, oh, maybe this is Matt Dillon's first movie. Like, they have the exact same square, shoebox-sized head. And I gotta tell you real quick... Um, I'm a woman that likes a man with a beard. It is very, very rare that I find men without beards attractive. I found that guy attractive. Oh. Hey, Michael. Hey, Michael. <laughs> or Al. Al. <laughs> oh, that sexy name, Al. He was the least Al-looking person I've ever seen. <laughs> right? Um. Uh, so, yeah, so for some reason, Al and his dad don't get along. Some reason that's very rare. I can tell you exactly over. why Al and his dad don't get along. Okay, why he don't they get along? weren't listening, Marshall. Fine. He dropped it in, not very, like, just because everything else in the movie is on the nose. This was pretty, uh, this was pretty, like, woven in there. Okay. It's definite. His mom left. His mom used to be a diving girl when he was a kid and she left him behind. She quit. She quit. She was a quitter. Because he, because Papa, doctor, well, I don't think he Doc was a really, guys, yeah. I don't think he was really a doctor. What was he a doctor of? Doc Maybe he's Carver a large animal veteran. Probably, probably was a, like, an abusive husband and like made her run away. Certainly was stubborn and pig headed yeah. and wouldn't listen and to anybody else. She fucking knew what was what she wanted and she got out. But she didn't take her kid. And so she left her kid with him. Isn't it interesting how stubbornness is considered a virtue in most kids' films? Like most like right? most of the heroes tend to be stubborn. A trait which is infuriating to have to deal with in the real world mm-hmm. is seen is shown to children as like, ooh, look at this virtue you guys could. Well, have. I mean, like if you think about it, like in a in a children's movie, there are certain ways to create conflict that you can't do in a in a kids movie. And I'm impressed with the amount of conflict that they caused in this movie that is totally not acceptable nowadays. Um, so many people got punched in the face. Yeah. But um no, stubbornness can be can be used in a way that I think other 
you know, other things to move the plot along, other things to create tension can't really be used in family films. Mm. And so I wonder if it's just used as a trope, you know. Oh, hmm. I do also think that Sonora, our main protagonist... Sonora Webster. Sonora Webster, our 15-year-old orphan girl, uh, her stubbornness got her into the whole situation to begin with, and I, I think that's how Doc, Doc finally uh, learned to respect her. Oh, absolutely. I think that Doc saw a bit of himself in her. Because she was an obstinate little shit. Mm-hmm. About 30 minutes into the movie, Marshall looked at both of us and asked if <laughs> if there was any way that, that, that they could make this character actually at all endearing. Because at this point, she had not won over the allegiance of anyone in the movie or anyone on the couch. At what point? The credits? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I seriously, by the end of it, uh, Sonora was like was like blind, but still had a successful career. Spoiler alert! Yes, spoiler Spoiler alert! alert. She goes blind because for some reason she takes water directly to the eye in a bad jump, and both of her retinas detach. Guys, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. That's terrifying. That's that's some floaty retinas. Those are some loosely attached Those retinas. Those are some retinas that ain't doing shit except nope. for hanging out now. They're yeah. done. They're only for show now. Now, of course, this is based on a true story, so there is a real Sonora oh. Webster. Oh, I'm sorry. Sonora Webster's retinas. ancestors. She had a very long career. 11 years of diving and... 11 years? Okay, so at the very... I'm sorry, we're just jumping all around. 11 years of diving and I was with Al for the rest of our days. We were very happy together. Like that, That's the like last line of the movie is, me and Al were together. We were very happy. Credits. It's like literally saying happily ever after. No, it absolutely was. And it even ends with a happily ever after kiss. It's so which true. Which is very Disney. Yeah, I... I'm really embarrassed at how much I was shipping them, guys. Now, here's what's wrong with this. The the characters are at least 10 to 15 years apart. Yeah. And she's like 15, 16 years old. The actors are at least 10, 15 years the, apart. Oh, so I looked this like, up. Like, this is something where we, we run into this a lot. This, this girl was definitely cast... In the right age, correct, Marshall? Right. So, so the actress herself would have been about nineteen. Okay. Uh, so they just younged her up, but she was she's very young looking, but she was like nineteen at the time. The actor who plays Al is thirty, so oh they are ten years apart. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, they're like ten or maybe eleven years. I, apart. I'm not lying when he his head was literally twice the size. Of oh hers. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and um, so what, I also enjoyed, at the very beginning, they're constantly telling her, like, ah, you're too scrawny, you'll never be a diving girl, you're not a woman, you can't suit. fill out that bathing suit. And so, over the course of the movie, and I think the movie only takes place over, like, a six-month period of I time. I was trying to figure that yeah, out. Yeah, m- nine months max. Um, over the course of that six- to nine-month period, every time you see her, they have aged her up, just like a little bit. Six months. Yeah. Then six months. And you the first time you see her in her little diving suit, she's like swimming in this swimsuit. And she's like, will I ever fit? And Doc is like, you'll fill into it someday. And then at the end, she puts it on and it is hot. 
<laughs> like it is fitting real nice. And I'm like, it has been three fucking weeks, girl. Like, <laughs> you wait. I also think she got, actually got a suit that fit her. It's a different color. It does, just, it does know, seem like it's, a different suit. I know. It's a fascinating concept. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I took it. Honestly, what I took it as is like they just kept making smaller suits. Yeah. But we were supposed to believe that it was the same suit. Really? I think the first one but, was blue. I mean, yeah, you're I feel, probably I, totally right. Yeah, yeah. I, I get the impression that this movie takes place over at least a couple years span because one does not necessarily become an expert diver, you think, in like a week? No, but I mean, the thing is, he was like, as soon as you can... So, so finally her obstinance pays off and she can, she can try to get on the horse. And the doctor says, if you can jump on the horse while the horse is running, then we can talk about you being a diving girl. She figures it out. She seems to figure it out in like two days. And then Joe is just one session. It was just, one yeah, session. It, looked like, it just looked like one session. And the funny thing about that one session is she kept missing and falling on her face and breaking her nose worse and worse. And, uh, the whole time, Marie, the previous drink, uh, dra- diving girl, is standing right there, and I'm like, "Did he make Marie fall on her face like a, a whole afternoon's I work so. to break her Marie in?" Was too? Pretty badass. Yeah. So let's talk about Marie really quickly. We haven't really brought her up. So the woman that is currently the diving girl when we enter the diving world is this just prissy woman that I'm surprised she ever got into this. I'm. I- I'm surprised that she ever decided to be a, a diving girl. Well, Marie has dreams and aspirations of being an actress. Oh, an right? actress. Yes, an actress. This is going to be good publicity. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we don't know Marie's full story, but, I mean, Marie, they talk about when we are introduced to what a dr- diving girl needs to be, she needs to be strong is one of the very first things that they say. She needs to have showmanship, and she needs to look good in a bathing suit, basically. Right. Doc kind of talks around the bathing suit part, but he's pointing at her boobs and saying, you need more of, you need more of, yes. to Sonora. Uh, and so I feel like that sets us up for Marie having that power and control, even though she puts on this show of being what I would imagine she thinks an actress's personality should be right right because right. she's got to be like daring enough to like that's a scary that's a scary feat to like ride a horse off of a 40 foot drop mm-hmm. like into water because it's literally that is literally death defying like this Guys, is the thing I that really would kill most wanted people to do that so bad and it's so funny to think back knowing myself now how i would never in my life, consider that that would be a fun thing. Right. And if I was, like, a mom, like, I would never show this movie to my kid because I wouldn't want my kid to get obsessed with that the way that I did. Because that's, I would just be like, sorry, kid, I'm that shitty parent that's just going to be <laughs> Any like... Any moms in this. No. Mom, Absent moms. Absent yeah. moms all that's around. That's another Disney theme. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, Lena, what's your, what about your thoughts on this? Like, how would you feel about showing this to a child? Oh, I would totally show this to a child. Okay. I don't know if that's a terrible thing. Um, We never really had that kind of censorship in my household. Anything that my parents were going to watch, 
I we were we were gonna watch too, but I don't think that my parents had very risque tastes. Although I definitely watched all of the Julia Roberts movies when I was a kid, all of the Julia Roberts movies <laughs> <laughs> before I understand stood what was happening. So I kind of feel like, yeah, totally. Be your own person. Go out and get what you want, and don't listen to anybody tell you no. I mean, she literally would not listen to anyone telling her no. Exactly. Like, obstinate to a level that you don't usually see a girl. No. Um, Which I think is important. I yeah. also, just super tiny detail, appreciate that the first, like, at least 10 minutes of the film didn't have any speaking male characters in it. Right, right. At oh, wow. all. Yeah, wow. Which, you know, and then we're immediately intro- and then we're introduced to these two and three actually male compatriots to Sonora's adventure. But I, I think it's important that we have this hero's story, this hero's journey of a young woman who goes after what she wants and gets it. Yeah, and I think what's really interesting about this character, when you put it that way, I don't know if I would have gone to this light of thought uh, in any other direction, but when you put it that way, Sonora is accepting of the fact that she is just a scrappy, imperfect person. Absolutely. And she's not going to apologize for it, but that she's just on an adventure. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of, she, I don't know, she's kind of a pippy, long-stalking totally. character. But she she doesn't take no for an answer literally from the second you meet her until the second that she blindly jumps off and falls into her future husband's arms. Um... But, uh, yeah, I, I, that is a very commendable part of this character. I mean, one thing that you have to accept that about that character, however, is that obstinance is the only thing that was, that was allowing her the freedom to never take no for an answer. Right. And that obstinance is considered very kind of revolting in a young woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I find it interesting... Does she get away with that a little bit, at least in the beginning? Because she, you know, she is so, she is young. So in some ways she seems a little tomboyish often. You know, she's initially hired as a stable hand. Like there's something in set up that's inherently not sexual or sexualized mm-hmm. about her at the start. And the only thing that sort of gets in that in the way of that is this relationship with Al, which is very quickly put on hold. Oh yeah. By him leaving after a fight with his father, and then <laughs> and then father Doc father not delivering any of Al's apparently many letters to he Sonora wrote, over over some day. length of time. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So they get in a fight in what is one of the more stagey. Stagier fights, and uh, Bobo Matt Dillon gets punched into a fence that breaks perfectly in three places, mm-hmm. and then he picks up a piece of wood like he's threatening to hit his own father in the face with a two-by-four, mm-hmm. uh, and then he's like, I'm out of here, and he gets out of town, but he is, he is writing letters to her the whole time, which uh, Doc... Holiday is, keeps burning all the time. And Doc is like, don't ruin her life. Because she's young. Yes. Like, he's the only one with a conscience. Which now, can we make a connection between Doc's relationship with Al's mother? Oh. Did he ruin Al's mother's life? That's By getting her prego. She was young. Yeah. Yeah. 
I had not considered that. The actor who plays Doc Carver was 68 while making this movie. <laughs> 68. Just want to point out that a little, a little over halfway into the movie, uh, Doc Carver ends up dying. Um, just uh, basically, I don't really have a heart attack. More just like exhaustion seems. It seems like, like his body just gave out, yeah. leaning against a tree. There was some nice by symbolism. A, by Golden Brook. It was some nice symbolism where the camera panned in onto a dandelion and <laughs> all of the little things floated in the air and then they panned over to the doctor and Marshall and says hair, yes Marshall says and now all of his hair is going to blow like the dandelions in the wind and then it literally did that it literally did and i'm like this movie could not be more obvious in every scene if it tried yeah. this was right after a very obvious comeuppance scene for Marie when she's like, I'm going to ride the horse that uh, Sonora has trained because I'm the diving girl. And she immediately gets bucked off and breaks her arm and like, can't ever be a diving girl again. Oh no. Or at least not for like six weeks and or then something she has to, like, like that. Quit the, yeah, I mean, the and diving that's, game. I mean, like that's, that's Sonora's in. Right. And that's always the way it is, you know, like every young actress like every old actress is afraid of that young actress Absolutely. is going to come by and nothing scrape more dangerous that up. than an ingenue. It's so true. <laughs> <laughs> so there's when uh, eventually um, Al comes back into the picture after done fighting with his dad. Part of the way that he literally wins back Sonora's confidence after seemingly not writing her for so long is he like. Lazarus's her horse back from the dead <laughs> instantly. Instantly. This horse is falling down, coughing, sneezing. Falling down. It, it is, has fallen down for hours it on is the ground. Literally on death's doorstep. And the guy's like, here, we're just gonna pump some water into his mouth. And he's eating moldy hay. He's been eating moldy hay. So we're just gonna pump water in his mouth and then get him to stand up, and then the horse is perfectly fine, and the storm is not happening outside anymore. <laughs> like, there was a literal storm, there were thunder and lightning over the Symbolism top. storms weren't yeah. there. The, every time a storm came along in this movie, like, something symbolic was in the process of happening. And usually Sonora was in the barn with lightning the horse. Yeah, there is another... There, <gasps> oh my yeah, gosh, I didn't no. even draw that. The horse's name is lightning. You didn't realize that? But, I mean, I didn't Marshall. realize that uh -huh. with the symbolic storms yeah the symbolic storms um there's a super weird scene right after sonora finds out that she is going to be blind for life where she it like we're outside the building and there's thunder and lightning and Boom, then we go crash and then we go inside the building and Boom. you see sonora's hands in the moon running what? in the Where's moonlight the light coming from <laughs> in the moonlight slash lightning light running across that horse supple flesh like it was the the horsiest horse sex scene <laughs> i seriously it thought we were so watching equus it like, was so weird like is this girl having sex with lightning okay so after she blinds herself um <laughs> Accidentally. Accidentally blinds herself uh because she's not actually Accidental good at horse diving blindness um so Marie comes back to the horse game because... To save the day. To save the game, day. Although it's pretty obvious that she's just failed at being an actress and it, like, needs the totally. work. Because this is the Depression. We haven't, yeah, we haven't talked about it. This takes place during the Depression. And so part of the reason why uh, this 
14-year-old girl is able to just run around and get a job at a circus she is because she's a younger and younger. Yeah, she's an okie essentially. But when Marie comes back, uh, she's like going to like take over Zenora because she's now blind. And then our ginger kid, Clifton, who we have Cliff, not Cliff Clifford. We have not Clifford. mentioned up until now, and let me tell you why we haven't mentioned him up until now. Never have I seen a movie with a with a less important character than Clifford. I can't tell you why he was there other than the one moment that Marshall is about to explain. Right. And so Clifford, who is much closer to our lead actress in age, and they are kind of cute together throughout the movie. They are as cute together as Sonora and Al are creepy together. (laughs) Like, like... I object. I was totally into it. Okay. But my point is, the whole time, Clifford is obviously the about the same age and he is just being nice guy. Super nice guy. Super nice guy. And he's even a daredevil himself. And like, proves himself to be a great mechanic. Anyway, his character's completely pointless because he's never doing anything other than cheerleading Sonora on. Except for in this one scene where he locks Marie in a closet so that, or in her trailer, so that Sonora can prove I can dive even though I'm blind. And so then without practicing at all, She's able to mount the horse and dive. What a wonder. Hell yeah, she does. Because it's a Disney movie. Also, the very first time she dives at all is in a show. They don't do any I tried to get to that point earlier, but someone interrupted me. I tried to say that. From the second that she figured out she could get on the horse while the horse was moving, he was like, now you're ready. And then two days later, she had to do it for the first time. And the first time she did it, Show. Was it the show? Right. And she fucking killed it, because this girl's a natural. She might be annoying, but she's a natural. <sighs> yeah, so that's the that's the basic plot of what's going on here. Hope you followed that, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. It's okay if you didn't. It's okay. Yeah. The point is, wild hearts can't be broken. Can't be they broken. really can't. Um, especially when those wild hearts are more than a decade apart. And and inappropriately in love with each other. I mean, I guess this was the 1930s, so, you know, I think everybody has stories of grandparents who are like, oh, they're 12 years apart in age, Guys, and that I, wasn't yeah. weird at all. Guys, I really, I really want to reiterate and talk about, like, on a little bit more depth, the love story in this movie was the epitome of everything I thought romance was supposed to be. (laughs) And that is so funny to me. Like, like any, so great example. He shows up when, when he, before he's about to just raise her horse from the dead, he shows up and he walks up to her and the horse is literally lying on the ground about to take its last breath and everything turns slow-mo and he touches her face. And she touches his face. And then they think about kissing. And then they hug. And then he backs up. And then he strokes her face. And then she sighs. And then they look at the horse and say, we need to do something about the horse. (laughs) And I always thought that these moments would happen where the time in the world would literally slow down. And all that would be was, he touched her face. She sighed. She touched his face. Oh, we need to talk about the actual thing going on. Like, I really thought that that's what romance was. (laughs) And it's because of movies like this. And I hate to say it, but it was so 
awesome to watch because like <laughs> like it, it was like just not being able to eat a cheeseburger anymore and then just like watch someone just eating a really good cheeseburger i was just like oh this is so good it's so wrong but it's so good it's really embarrassing <laughs> It's that cheeseburger analogy. <laughs> it's a good one. Uh-huh. I have to say that their very first kiss struck me even more. So basically, Sonora is watching Marie get ready to go out. And she's like, where are you going? And Marie's going out dancing with Al. So obviously, Sonora is going to get a little jealous. And the next time we see Sonora, she's gone out to the, what was it? The like cotton curl? The or cotton curl. Down the road. From wherever this farm is that yeah. they're on. <laughs> like a fancy fucking boutique hairstylist. She comes and in with this new dress and red lips and this weird curly hair and everybody laughs at her. And except then he, for Except for Al. And then he says, hey, it's a warm night. We should go swimming. As he pushes her on the swing. Yes. And then suddenly they 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 flip. And they are in their swimsuits in the lake, and she is completely doused, and her hair is all messed up, and, like, every single thing that she got done with the cut and curl has yep. just gone with the water. Mm-hmm. And then... And then they're laughing and splashing in the water, and he he pulls her close, and then he kisses her next to her eye. Yes. And then he kisses her forehead, and then he kisses next to her other eye. And then he kisses her nose. And then do they actually have a full-on kiss No, here? there's no they full-on didn't. kiss. That was it. No, Because yeah. then they look in each other's eyes and then and she, she says, I need away. to leave. I need yeah. to go. Good night. And to his credit, he did let her go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's a good guy. Yeah, was it like, damn it, Scarlet, I don't give a damn. <laughs> but I will say, there was one little piece in that whole little story yeah. that I actually really appreciated. And it was that she had done herself up all nice and fancy. Right. And she instantly jumped into the lake, lost it all. Right. And that's when, like, a connection happened with the guy. Right. And it was nice to see, like, a girl that was like, oh, this thing I did, I'm just experimenting. But, like, I just really felt like, oh, this is actually me. I'm actually, like, this just weird, goofy, tomboy girl. And mm-hmm. I don't know. There's so many things wrong with his character. But they're, I, for some reason, find it her endearing. I also, that also reminds me that the very first time she sees him first, he's getting in, he's getting roughed up for cheating at cards. And that's the first time she ever sees oh, him yeah. before she's even you know, introduced to anything. I honestly completely forgot about that, yeah. And they're accusing him of having an ace in his hat, and the ace falls onto the ground, and she steps on it so that when the guys pick up the hat, they don't find it. They were bonded by subterfuge, Right, guys. and oh, they let wow. him go. And then he's, like, walking away, and the shot is of her in her hat with her, like, hay sticking out of her mouth. Oh, yeah, she's, and she's chewing just got on this a piece of little, straw. like jaunty angle to her face like she's checking him out yeah yeah is the very first not even interaction but the first meeting uh-huh you know the first time we see them in the same frame let's say um this but, is a woman yeah, that knows what she wants exactly yeah and she wants al and she wants to be a diving girl and those and she gets them both she gets all she had exactly. to give up was her eyesight yeah hey you know ariel had to give up her whole voice it's true and she didn't get a diving horse out and of it. And she even chose to give up her voice. Yeah. 
so speaking about horrific accidents befalling young people, so do you think this movie was appropriate viewing for you when you saw it as you were a child? Oh my god, I loved this movie. And But I... do you think it was appropriate? Yeah. What is appropriate? Like what are you rescue what are you saving me from if if you know, I don't see this film? Listen, warped expectations yeah, about romance with in, significantly in older men. In my opinion, <laughs> you're gonna most, have to you're gonna have to in, keep a lot of things from yeah, me if that's what in the my opinion. Is. The warped expectations are probably the part that I'm the most like, and it's just because it took me literally years to to deprogram myself. But um, that that's you. That's the biggest sticking point for me. Uh, and there was also just a lot of physical abuse in this movie, uh-huh. which I don't actually mind, but it's just not something that you see in a Disney movie <laughs> which all the I don't time. Mind. I don't mind I seeing don't some kids believe. getting roughed up. I still don't quite believe this is a Disney movie. This was a Disney I mean, movie, guys. I saw the the castle, but I'm this still not like convinced. A, this seemed like a made-for-television lifetime movie. Lord saw it on the big screen. I though. did. I saw Whoa. it in a movie theater. Imagine watching a horse jump on a movie screen. Terrifying. I was so I'm, loved it. I'm so thankful for the ASPCA and PETA shutting horse jumping down. Like, <gasps> oh, God. Yeah, that was a real thing. What a horror. Yeah, that was a real thing. It's a real thing that happened. People currently alive have been horse jumpers. Like, wow. Yeah, you know, it does make me want to do more research into this Sonora person and like Sonora was alive at the making of this movie. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh and my she God, really? and she actually objected to it and found it very saccharine and overdramatic. That's because it was yeah, saccharine and overdramatic. <laughs> but yeah, so the the actual Sonora Webster is a real person, and while she obviously did not see the movie because she was de- uh, because she was blind but her sister watched it with her and she listened to the soundtrack while her sister described the movie to her and she was quite disappointed with how saccharine and overdramatic it was according That's to wikipedia so funny. i uh, believe it what about you uh lita do you feel it was appropriate viewing when you saw it um i don't remember having a feeling about whether it was appropriate or not appropriate um I feel like so many things are inappropriate. I don't really have a problem with it. <laughs> with the fact that I saw it as a child or hey, showing Marshall, it to a child. Uh-huh. Do, you, do you feel like this is appropriate viewing for you this evening? <laughs> are you old enough to handle this? I mean, I felt like while I was watching it, I, I definitely agree with you that I was like, oh, I don't know if I feel this is good to show young girls because this is such a weird idea about... Like, I mean, I guess on the one hand, it's nice that it's like, go for what you want and don't take no for an answer. I mean, that girl literally, yeah, Lita has a really good point. That girl rolled in, spied him, and was like, mm, yeah, that's my man. <laughs> and yeah, she was 16 years old, but that girl got what she wanted. That girl got what she wants. Show me show me more films where I get to see that, where, you know, this a young woman gets what she wants. That Goes girl did. That girl, that girl really was not a pawn. Th- like that she girl ran nobody. the fucking yeah. that girl ran the fucking chessboard of the world that totally. she was in. Totally, I guess that I guess that is true. Uh, f- fair enough. Um, I guess I just was still hung up on uh, obviously adult, obviously adult Al and obviously child Sonora like having a romance happen, and their romance goes all the way to completion. 
And then again, really highlighting how weird the Clifford character is in this. <laughs> Completely unnecessary. I thought he was introduced to be the obvious... She's going to end up with him because they're the same age. And he Al... obviously very much likes her when they first meet each oh, other. Oh, he likes her all throughout. He gives her a hot dog. He, he yeah, gives her and a then, hot dog. No, it, mm. very, very close to Yummy. the Yummy. <laughs> very, very close to the end. He makes a statement that was a thinly veiled, I really wish I was with you thing. And yeah. it was like really heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought for certain when she when she is blinded at the kind of the semi-climax of the movie, there's this immediate aftermath where she's fighting a lot with Clifton or uh, with Al yes. because Al's like Al wants to treat her like she's crippled and she wants to she wants to keep fighting him that like I'm not crippled, I can keep doing all the things I used to do, like don't tell me what I can't do, right? And Clifford seems to be the only person who's like, yeah, she could do it. In fact, I so believe she can do it that I will help her by releasing her horse that obviously then knows exactly how to run down the pier because through the doors. the thunderstorm Equus evening together. It's true. Where she like it's horse true. whispered yes. to I lightning. I don't know if you know that like she when she blind... When she blindly says, I want to jump again, her answer is, lightning knows. Lightning can hear my thoughts. Does she Light- say that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I completely forgot that. She yeah. said, lightning knows, lightning can hear my thoughts. Light- Whoa. Yeah, and obviously he could, because he literally took a right and then a left, and then a hundred yards down the boardwalk, and then a left, to get exactly to the location. And waited for his cue. Yeah. Right, you got to the bottom of the (laughs) ramp, pushed the other horse out of the way. There was another horse was supposed to run (laughs) on there. So who's handling the horse at the bottom? Nobody! Nobody was handling the horse. The horses are so well-trained, they don't need anyone to stand down there with them. They're like Labradors. That horse that was a, oh, important distinction. Lightning came into their world completely untrained stallion, fully grown, and then she and Al broke him, and that is how they bonded at the beginning of the film. Mm -hmm. You know, Marshall was all like, oh, yeah, no, Al's trying to get some. And I was like, no, they're connecting. They're they're building, like, a a bond, which is what they were doing, because he was, Al was a respectful man. He was. He proposed before he tried to get in her socks. I guess that's true. (laughs) (laughs) It is true. This was this was very quaint in 1930s-esque where it's like, I'm going to court you for several years yes. where we hold hands a lot. Yes. Uh, Except by hold hands, it mean, I'm going to take you swimming and kiss on your face. I'll kiss on your face, but not on your not lip parts. Not on your parts. lip parts, yeah. <laughs> uh, not until you say it's okay. And even though, like, uh, he apparently is maybe trying to date Marie, who is definitely closer to him in age. I think Marie's trying to date him. Oh. Yeah. Because she, like, makes that pork chop dinner, and she's, like, (laughs) putting the biscuits on his plate and pouring the the gravy on his biscuits. And she's like, is that too much gravy? Let me give you another biscuit. And he's not paying her any mind. No, no. And in the very next scene, he's asking Sonora to go swimming with him. Yeah, Totally. Okay, so uh, if you were to remake this movie now, uh, one, do you think a movie about a person death-defyingly horse jumping could be made nowadays? Totally. I totally think this movie could be remade with today's sensibilities. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Today's sensibilities? Yeah, like the sensibility. I think it would have a 
female screenwriter and a female director. And um, I think it's a strong narrative. I think it's a strong story. But they tried to fit a lot in a very short amount of time. It was only an hour and a half, right? Mm -hmm. It was an hour and 29 minutes. Right. So they moved through a lot of things and nothing went very deep. Um, So I totally think that you can sort of relook at how the narrative is put together and go even more in on Sonora and what Sonora really wants and struggles with and her perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Laura? Totally. Um, I like that idea. Uh, I would say that if I could remake this, I would definitely remove the bad... And then he touched her face. (laughs) And then she touched his face. And then he touched her face back. And then she touched his face again. And then they leaned one more inch together. And then they touch each other's faces. (laughs) And then the horse died in the corner. I would remove that. But um, I don't think that removing that would take away from the actual story. By any stretch of the term. Um, yeah, I do think that there's there's so much endearing about the actual story that is here that as a young child, I tapped into so fucking totally. hard. And I can see all the, 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 the glitzy bullshit that was added to the movie as an adult. But mm-hmm. the story itself still, I think it's pretty all right. And I would actually say that, like, you know, for for the loving moments coming together, I feel like a modern sensibility would definitely add more heat, and that heat would be in in the disagreements, yeah. in them like fighting with each other and standing up to each other and pushing each other's buttons. There's groundwork for that. They just didn't follow through on it, and so we're left sort of wondering: Wait, did they just have a fight? Mm-hmm. Are they what? Right. I, and now suddenly it's a whole new world. Like suddenly things are different, but we only sort of got a baseline understanding of why. Right. The only thing that I thought was weird is the way they had it writ- wrote. It seemed, it seemed like all like the writing in this movie was so very on the nose that I thought they were very obviously setting up her to be with Clifford in the end, and that it would turn out that Al was an asshole who abandons her when she oh, gets man, blind. You're so you're so hung up on Clifford. I just think they should cut Clifford's character. Right. Obviously, they should cut him out because he serves literally no purpose whatsoever. Like. N- no Clifford purpose does at have all. a great shot where he's welding his yeah. his uh, motorcycle cage that he's making, and that he daredevils rides around <laughs> in, in circles. Motorcycle cage globe. Again, he's much more admirable than Al. <laughs> Guys, we should make a short film dedicated just to Clifford. Yes. Clifford gets his own movie, and then we take it out because I would like to watch a movie with Clifford. Clifford was a goofy kid that wanted to be a daredevil, and by God, he made himself a daredevil. Totally. Yeah. And then he helped the girl of his dreams accomplish her dreams so that she could go back to the person who told her she couldn't have her dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Although, my only problem with all of that is is taking this narrative away from the female protagonist. True. Otherwise, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. totally on board. Yeah. No, yeah, no. Clifford's, Clifford's tale yes. would be unrelated. A separate movie. Yes, separate movie. <laughs> So anyway, this brings us around to the title question of the show, Do I Still Love It? Laura Weiss. 
Alright, I definitely still love this movie, even though I have some reservations. But um I I was the bundle of happiness watching this movie. And it was so bad in parts, and I didn't care. The nostalgia was strong. All right. Do I still love it? Lita Tremblay. I I have to agree. I think that the act of watching the film and and with specifically with folks who know how ridiculous it is, like nobody like who's going to take this film seriously at this point, which is part of, I think, the love and the joy of watching it. And it was only an hour and 29 minutes long. <laughs> so like I really feel like it was an excellent use of my time. Um, and I also, again, super appreciate uh, the the female protagonist getting what she wants, going for what she wants and getting what she wants and not being held back by anybody. And I'm also super sensitive to, you know, the patriarchy, right? And it's certainly present, but she, she's like, owning it. She excluded herself from it. She stepped outside of it, which you got to love that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, I I had not seen this as a child, so this is one of the first movies we've done where I, I never saw it. Given the fact that it is such a female-centric movie and is about horses, which also held no interest for me when I was a kid, I don't think, like, eight-year-old me would have would have really liked it. I, I might have liked it because there are some, like, scary moments, I guess. Um, but, and I... I was just so distracted the whole time by this girl who's being made to look like she's 15 with this man who is 30. You can't and get over it, can I, you? The whole time I was just like, there's no way. And then they introduced the Clifford character who is obviously her age. And the fact that they were not getting together, not that he deserved her or anything like that, but it's just like, why create this male character who obviously has a crush on her that it will go completely unrequited, who, and they are the correct age to date one another, and then have this significantly older, like, I just found it so... Subverting s- of expectations. Yeah. Ooh. Also, uh, all this, like, the act of horse diving is also just, like, really offensive to me as someone who cares about horses, so I was also, like... The whole time I was like, oh, no, the poor horse. Apparently the horses never get hurt. What was that line? Like, do the horses ever get hurt, she asks, and to which Doc replies, or Al. Somebody answers her and says, the horses don't. The divers do. Mm. And the most foreshadowy line ever. But uh, we never get never any answered. example. Oh, so no, I I don't think I love it. That's okay. But I it's okay. You. I don't I don't begrudge anyone who does love it. But I don't, I do not love it. I don't think this film is winning any awards. No. But that's not what I, and why I, I love do it. Think that this, I do think that this film was enjoyed on a pretty gendered basis. Absolutely. Yeah, this is totally this a is little a girls totally movie. totally a little girls get it done movie. Um, but that being said, I loved it. <laughs> it was great. This is a movie that I've always wanted to revisit and it's always lived in the back of my head as this like, I don't know why I have such a strong feeling about that. And it was really fun to tap into it. The movie's not fantastic. Like, yeah, it's not winning very many and awards it, here, but it was it was endearing in its own way. And it surprisingly had no horse death. No horse death, almost, but it's no Several horse times death. it se- seemed like both of the horses in the movie were, were up to die. 
and neither of them died. It was just only million dollar baby. The mm-hmm. girl gets hurt. Yeah, right. totally. All right. Well, this has been another thrilling adventure of Do I Still Love It? I'd really like to thank uh, Lita Tremblay for being on our show. Uh, Lita, do you have any projects coming up that you'd like to plug on the show? Oh, my. Well, I'm headed back to New York tomorrow, and I'm going to take it easy, and it's going to be great. Um, I'm going to be directing in this thing called The Playground at The Lark, uh, which is basically a weekly event where a bunch of uh, writers bring in pages and directors uh, work with actors to fully stage the thing within like an hour. Oh, wow. Um, so that's going to be really So from script fun. reading to performance, an we, hour? You like don't even start with a script reading. Oh, you wow. just directly get on your feet and oh, just wow. start playing with, uh, uh, with ideas, staging ideas. Um, immediately, so so different than just like bringing in pages and doing a table read. Oh, right. And it's not about like bringing an audience in or anything. It's just about you know hearing Exploring your work in a different way. Yeah. Um, so that's coming up. I've got a show coming up super in the future um, in May in New York called Porcupine. Mm-hmm. Canadian drama. Do you have a uh, location for it? We are. We will be at the Actors Fund in Brooklyn, New York. So oh, great! Well, uh, everyone. And, uh, how do we find you? I think you have an internet website, right? I do. On the interwebs, you can find me at www. Lita L E T A Tremblay T R E M B L A Y dot com. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, Lita, thank you so much for being our guest on this exciting episode. Thank you for having me. Great. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, thanks for listening with us. I'm Marshall James. And I'm Laura Weiss. Reminding you to not let your wild heart get broken. Ever. Ever. This-